starting this new series, Creating a Better Story, and I think it's okay for me to say that we all love a great story. Uh, there's something about watching or hearing or reading a great story. I remember back in 1999, which feels like it was forever ago, uh, when the movie Sixth Sense came out. I don't know if you saw the movie Sixth Sense, uh, but I remember watching that movie and you're engaged with it the whole time and it's a great story. And then sorry to ruin it if you haven't seen it. We, we realized that the character played by Bruce Willis is dead and has been dead the whole time. I don't know if you've seen this, but I remember I remember that story and I just remember the, the, the sudden change all of a sudden and then they go back and they recap the story and what had happened. And you see these things, you're like, how did I miss that? How did I not see that? But we have this idea that we are connected somehow when we hear or see a good story. We all love a good story. And we live in this culture right now uh, where stories are shared, right? The, the social media world, we, we hear stories that, that are just life-changing stories that get shared on our feed. And, and I'm obsessed with with reading and hearing those stories. Well, we had a connection to one in, a, in kind of a weird way lately. Uh, a family in our church lost a father, a grandfather, and the, the funeral was the last uh, couple of weeks. And this picture was taken during the processional of a truck driver. I don't know if maybe you saw this. Uh, this truck driver pulled over. He was, uh, the, the man who had passed away was a World War II vet. And this truck driver pulls over and he uh, stands at attention and, and watches as the processional goes by. And someone takes a picture and this picture begins to spread and hundreds of, of shares and thousands and thousands of likes. I think Instagram had close to 60,000 likes. Facebook was even more and news outlets from all over were, were, were sharing this story. And, and I think something happens when we hear a good story. It does something to our hearts. It does something to our minds. We, we put ourselves in that story. And every great story has these components. You know this. There, there's a plot and there's characters to uh, that, that story and there's a setting and then two other things always have to happen in a story, especially a good story. There's always conflict and there's resolution. There's always conflict and there's always resolution in a good story. Now, resolution just means there's this conclusion to the story. There's an end to the story that we come to, whether that's in a book, it's in a movie, or someone shares their story with us. And you too, your story contains all of these things. Your story contains these five components and, and maybe the characters change at, at different times and the, the setting looks different and the plot changes as maybe you get older or life changes and there is conflict, right? There is conflict in our lives. But here's the one thing that I think may be a little different to our story. And that is this idea that there hasn't really been resolution. That the conclusion hasn't come yet, right? Our stories aren't over. Maybe there's been some resolution to some things that have happened in our life, but, but as a whole, our stories are not over. Uh, there's a, a Chinese proverb, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but it goes like this, that the greatest, the second greatest time to plant a tree is now, right? The second greatest time to plant a tree is now, because we all know that the best time to plant a tree is 40, 50, 60 years ago. But, but now, if you haven't, now is the best time. And so as we, as we look at this series and this idea of, of what our life looks like, what, what story are we telling, what story are we living into, now is a great time to begin to look at that. I mean, maybe it would have been better five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but maybe we didn't. Now is the best time to take a look at our story. And the question that we have to wrestle with today, and we're going to kind of set up this series, so I really hope you'll come back 
a four-week series. This is going to kind of set us up for where we're going. But the hard part of this series is really to begin to ask the question, what is the story I want to tell? Well, what is the story that I want to live into? When I was a new pastor, I hadn't been a pastor very long at all. Uh, I, I, was, I was new into ministry and a family had lost a loved one. And so they had asked me, will you come and just be at the funeral? Um, I, I was like, yeah, I, I love, I'll just be a present. Sometimes you just want someone who has the title of pastor there and there's something that happens in, in, in that setting. And so I'm sorry, sure, I, I don't know much about doing a funeral, but I can come and I'll just put a suit on. I own a suit. I actually wear them every once in a while, but I, I put a suit on and I show up at a, at a funeral and I'm, I'm there and I'm engaging with people. And, and so I get there and, and the family says, um, the family wants a service. Okay, good. Who's doing it? Is someone else coming? Uh, what, what's that going to look like? Well, we were wondering if you could do a service. Uh, that could happen now, and I, I'd, be, I'd be okay. Uh, but I was new in ministry, and for me, I was like, uh, I don't know what I'm, what I'm going to do. I didn't know the guy who had been deceased. I literally had to, to open and find a name of the, the person. And so I just remember a new pastor standing up in a funeral and basically sharing with a group of people, look, we all end up here. Right? At some point in our life, we too are going to be in a place where other people come, they maybe show, share memories, they tell stories, hopefully good ones, and hopefully there's good memories about us. They're going to maybe sing a few songs, but every one of us get to that point. And the question is, what, what's that story that we're going to live before then? What, what is the story that our lives are going to tell before we get to that place? And this is where there's good news to this, because our stories aren't over yet. Like, I just want you to just real quick, just take a deep breath. No, like, really, like, take a breath. You are still alive. You, you are still breathing, and I hope you have a lot of breaths left. But the good news is your story is not over. Your story is not over, and God is not done with what he is doing in your life. And this is good news. And this is the other thing I, I want you to understand and to believe. Your story is not your own. Your story's not your own. The, the, the decisions you make, the, the story that you're going to end up telling with your life is going to impact a lot of people. If you're married, it's going to impact your spouse. If, if you're going to be married one day, it will impact your spouse. If you have children or are going to have children, your story impacts their lives. It doesn't stop there. The story that you're going to tell will impact our community. Your life is not your own. It is much bigger than that. And so the story that you tell is going to have a massive impact on all those around you. And that's what makes this series so exciting for me. Your story is not over. There's no conclusion. There's no resolution yet. There's no finality to your story. You are still breathing. And that it has the opportunity to have an impact on a lot more people than just your own. And some of you have amazing stories. Some of you have had things happen in your life that, that I sit back and I can't believe you are still even sitting in this place today. That, that you're as healthy as you are at what you have been through. You have amazing stories because you have been through some tough things in your life. Uh, some of your lives have been determined or, 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 or you're telling a certain story because of the decisions that you've made. The decisions you made have got you where you are today. And some of these are good decisions. Right? You made a decision to work hard in your job, to show up every day and to do what you are supposed to. And that is impacting your story. Some of you maybe have made a decision to take care of your health. 
Like right now, a lot of us are probably trying to make that decision to take care of our health, right? It's the, the beginning of, of January, and that's something that we do, but some of you have made this decision for a long time, and you are at a place of good health because you daily make that decision. You have made the decision to choose to love your spouse. Even when it's been difficult, even when things have not gone how you thought they would, you have made that decision, or you have every day chosen or as much as you can to invest in your children, to show up for them. Not, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. You, you've been there for your kids, and you have made that decision day after day to do that, to be a person of compassion or forgiveness. And that is creating a certain story in your life, and that is a good story. And then some of us have maybe made some decisions that aren't so good. That at some point we made a decision to do something or to say something or to go somewhere or to consume something or whatever that might look like. We've made that decision. That has led us to a certain story as, well, you can name that decision. You can name that decision that has been writing your story maybe for a year, for 10 years, for 20 years. You, you know what those decisions have been. And then the other thing that many of us find out about life is sometimes our story is not even the decisions that we've made. A lot of times we, we find ourselves somewhere because of the decisions someone else has made. And it's been hard. Things have happened and they put us in a certain place that we don't want to be. And so we, we begin to see our story is written because of some of those things. And one of the things I've been wrestling with a lot, not just for myself, but other people that I that I speak with is this idea of shame. This idea of shame. And some of you, your story has been about shame. It has been about shame. I, I, I'm reading and listening, and, and the more I, I see this, the, the idea of shame is this idea that your identity has been found in some negative behavior or decision that you've made or someone else has made. That you're stuck in this place because of those decisions. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe been rejected by a friend, a, a loved one, maybe even a spouse. There's been this rejection. And so in that rejection, you begin to wrestle with what have I done or what is wrong with me? Do I not have worth? And so you're at this place and you're often stuck in your story because of rejection and it leads to shame. Shame comes from feeling like an outsider, like you just don't belong. You can't find a place where you fit in for whatever reason that might be, that you don't look a certain way, you're not a right size, you don't come from the right place, and shame comes along with that. Something that's happened in your childhood, something you did or someone did to you, you, you begin to hold on to this shame and you think that something is wrong with you. An author, uh, Brene Brown, uh, she has one of the most downloaded TED Talks uh, ever. She talks a lot about vulnerability. She talks a lot about belonging. But this is one of the main things she talks about is shame. She's done research. She's got her doctorate. And, and in her book, uh, I thought it was just me. She says this, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and are therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. Let me just read that again. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. We feel like because of what's happened in our past, whatever that might be, that there's no way that other people could accept me. There's no other way. There's no way I could belong to a group of people. There's no way that God would even accept me or love me. And so we feel worthless. And that comes back to the shame that we're stuck in. Many of us feel unworthy. We feel unworthy of being loved by 
God. Just real quick, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, and I, I talk about this scripture a lot, but there's a, a woman at one point who was caught in the act of adultery. Uh, I think there's a lot more to that story than we've ever really thought of. What has got her into that place? Was it a person of power who took advantage of her? I'm going to guess so. Uh, did she feel like there was no other way? Did she feel worthless? And, and whatever reason, it's found her in this place where she was caught. She was set up. And she's been caught in the act of adultery. And she's brought to the feet of Jesus. And, and the people who have caught her and who know what's happened, they want, they want her to be stoned. And Jesus says some words and he draws in some dirt. And we, we've talked through that. Maybe, you, maybe you've heard that story. But, but there's one thing that always sticks out to me after everyone has left, when everyone else realized the mistakes that they've made. Jesus looks at this woman. I get, I get the visual that she, he raises her head up, that she's down and she feels shame. She feels like she's worthless. And in this moment, Jesus lifts her head up and he speaks words of life to her. He says, who, where are those who condemn you? I don't either. So he starts at a place of you still have worth. You still belong with me. This is going to be your new story because then he says, right? He then says, go and sin no more. What he's saying is your life is much more than what you've been living. The story that you're going to tell is going to be different than what it has looked like. But he doesn't start there. He doesn't look at her and say, uh, once you've quit, come back to me and I'll condemn you no more. No, he starts with this place of love. He starts with this place of saying, you still have worth. You you're still in the midst of thinking you have shame and there's no anyone would accept you or you could belong nowhere. He starts at a place of saying that you have worth and that you belong. And so I think for some of you, that's where your story has been. You made a decision at some point and maybe you've never even told anybody. There is this room in your heart that you've never exposed to anyone and there's this place of shame and that has been your story for years. Maybe. Maybe through this series, you can begin to let go. That, that maybe you could begin to be vulnerable with someone or with God and believe that you have worth and that you're deeply loved. So again, what is the story that you want to tell? Not, not necessarily what your story has been, but what is the story you want to tell? Uh, this is what I know about as we think about what stories we want and as we think about what is it that I, that I really want? What is the story that I want to write in my for my life. I think there's a couple things that I think about. Uh, one, we want our way, right? As we think about answering the question, what do we want? We want our way, right? Burger King, uh, they, they had the slogan that, that fit this, uh, have it your way, right? They, they know that you want it your way and they're going to give it to you your way. But for some of us, uh, we have gotten our way and it wasn't what we wanted. We thought it was what we wanted. We demanded it and we got it. And after we got it, we thought, man, that is not what I wanted. The other thing when it comes to what we want, we, we want to do what we want to do. Right? I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And so we end up somewhere we don't really want to be. Maybe it's a job that we don't really want. Maybe it's on the date that we didn't really want to be on. But we end up with this life that we don't really want. Uh, you can see this with, with children, right? I wish it ended with children, but it doesn't. Uh, but, but as we think about kids, this is the battle we often face with, with kids. They want what they want. They want their way, and they want to do what they want to do. So if you've ever had any encounter with kids, which all of us have, we've seen that. We, we've seen the kid throw the fit in Target. 
right? And, and I've said this before, but before you have kids, you're like, my kid will never do that, right? And then they do that, and you're like, I don't know why they're, do- they're doing that, right? But kids want what they want when they want it. And then the third thing, and this is where I think that, that we've made some decisions that maybe have got us into some places where we don't like our story, and that's this idea that we want perpetual pleasure, right? We, we want perpetual pleasure. Uh, we want to feel good all the time, and, and oftentimes we'll find whatever it is to make us feel that way. It could be food, right? You get stressed, you get down, you get discouraged. Man, there are thir- certain things you think, man, I just, I just need that. If I eat that, everything will be oh. Okay, there's this idea of comfort food, right? We, we want this pleasure. It could be a lot of other things, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex or belonging, or it could be uh, prestige or a certain position, right? We, we get addicted to these things, which ultimately undermines the pleasure, doesn't it? Right? We, we want this perpetual pleasure. We get it, and then we continue to get it, and then we realize, man, I, I've got to get away from it. Right? And then it undermines what we were after in the beginning. And so, so many people, so many of us, have given in to this perpetual pleasures. And then we got to a place where we said, this isn't the story I want for my life. Right? But, but at that point, it's like, well, how do I get out of this place? How do I find a different story? And for many of us, we thought we would know what we wanted, when we wanted it, and we went after it. But we're not happy. We don't fulfill, feel fulfilled. We feel like there is something else that we are looking for in life. C.S. Lewis, who is a writer, maybe you've read him, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe is one of his most famous works, but he wrote a book called The Great Divorce. It's not about marriage. Uh, it actually is on the topic of hell. And he says this uh, about it. He says he gives this picture of what hell looks like, where everyone gets what they want, when they want it, just by thinking about it. Right? Can you imagine that? You get what you want when you want it just by thinking about it. But in this place where everyone gets what they want, nobody's happy. Nobody's happy, nobody gets along, and no one has a need for one another or a need for God. That Everyone gets what they want when they want it. And this is C.S. Lewis's picture of what hell could look like. So as we think about these things and struggle with the question, well, what do you want for your life? Many of us don't know. So how do we figure that out? So that's the the one thing about how do we know what story we want. But then there's this other idea. There's this other idea that that we have an idea of what we want and we just can't get it. We've never been able to get to this place. And so because we haven't been able to get, get it, we feel like our story is ruined. And so James, who's the half brother of Jesus, he he writes this, this letter. Um, And and we've talked about this before. Uh, James was the half-brother of Jesus. Just let that sit in. Uh, Think about sibling rivalry. Think about how you look at a sibling who is God, right? And so he's always living up to this and comparing. He thought Jesus was crazy. Uh, He didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was until Jesus is crucified, buried, and comes back. And then James becomes a a leader. He writes about this idea in James 4. If you don't own a Bible, uh, there's a red Bible around you somewhere. Hopefully that's our, our gift to you. You can take that. Uh, the page number will be on uh, the screen. Uh, I'm going to break this down four, one through three. Uh, I'll stop as we go along. He says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? 
He says, what's the source to all the tension? What's the source to all the problems that you have in your life? The tension in your marriage, the tension in friendship, the tension with your kids, the, the tension in your job. What, what is the source of all those things? James actually says it actually comes back to you often. And I feel the often in, but because but sometimes there's some things out of our control. But, but James here says, it, it doesn't it come from these desires that battle within you? Don't we often think it's someone else's fault? We think it's someone else's problem. But, but James actually says, uh, the source of this is actually these desires or pleasures that are raging or battling within us. And then the beginning of verse two, he says this, you want something, but don't get it. You want something, but you don't get it. Uh, there's these times where I read the scriptures and you read something and you're like, that is so true for my life. It's so true for our lives, right? We, we want something and we don't get it. There's these battles, these things that rage within us. And it's the source of tension. And ultimately what, what is behind that is there's something that we want and we don't get it. And so if you're fighting with someone, if you have an argument with somebody, maybe it's a spouse or a child or someone you work with, if you could just be honest in that moment and maybe you verbalize, I don't imagine this really happening, but, but if you said to the other person, can we just stop for a minute and let me be honest? The reason that there's tension right now is because I'm not getting what I want, right? If you think about it and you think about the arguments, the conflicts, the things that are going on in your life, oftentimes if you could just stop and say, I just want to be honest with you, I'm not getting what I want right now. That is the source of our tension. James is now going to say it again, but with a little more power. He says that you kill and covet because you cannot have what you want and you quarrel and fight. And those are strong words. And so I don't think James is saying you literally go out and murder someone, but if you think about your own life, you, you can think about those times where you didn't get what you wanted. You didn't get what you thought you deserved. You made a request and, and it didn't come through. It was the life you wanted and you didn't get it. You can think of the damage that was caused. The, the killing that maybe has happened in a marriage or again at a job or broken relationships as I think of young people. And there's so many stories of these young athletes specifically who, who just kill opportunities. They, they kill scholarship opportunities. They, they kill these things because they are not getting what they think they deserve or what they want. There are things that die because we don't get what we want. And then he says you covet or you have envy or you're jealous. And this is what causes the quarrels and the fights with us. But then he says this, and this is where we're going to settle in and, and think about as we move forward in this series. He says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. Uh, this doesn't mean that you can just ask for anything and God's going to give it to you, uh, right? We don't have this Santa in the sky that we make our requests and then he comes through for us. That's not how it works. There's much more behind what James is saying here. I think what he is saying is, you do not have what you want because you have not been seeking after God. Your desires are not probably the desires that God may have for you. And you might be thinking, man, I, I, have, I haven't asked because I just know God is going to say no. I haven't asked because he's going to say no to it. I think about my, my own uh, kids 
uh, who maybe have been caught sneaking something. I mean, might maybe have been caught, right? I'm just pretending maybe they've been caught. And I'm assuming what might happen if they got caught sneaking something. Maybe candy, we find wrappers in a drawer. Or maybe if this happened at one point or another. And we have this conversation. And, and I ask the question, why did you do this? Why, why didn't you just ask? And they answer, because I knew you would say no. Right? I, I just didn't ask because I, because I knew you wouldn't give it to me. And there is so much behind that because I probably would have said no because I knew it wasn't best for them. I knew it wasn't what they needed. And so sometimes we don't ask God. We don't bring God into the conversation because really what we want is our own way. And so we haven't asked. We haven't asked God what he may have for us. Or maybe you say, I have asked. I've asked over and over. I've prayed for years for that person. I've, I've prayed for years that that situation would change. I've prayed for years my marriage would look different. I've prayed for years my, my son or daughter would come back to the faith. I've I prayed for years that whatever it might be, and God has never come through. He, he's never done what I wanted him to do. Right? And so it comes back to, again, us desiring and wanting something for ourselves. Verse 3, it says this. When you ask... You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Right? Sometimes with the things that we want, the reason we want them is because we think our life will look better. We, we think that our life will look different. And so it comes back down to just what we want. I don't know if you saw this, but the, the newest lottery, the, the Powerball was won by a 20-year-old boy. I hope he has people around him who are going to protect him and help him because it doesn't take much research to see that most of the people who win something like that live a very depressed life, right? Because, and, and I have family members and I have friends who will, who will play the lottery every once in a while. And they'll, they'll pick their numbers and I have conversations and maybe you've done that too, driving down the road and my kids have asked, man, that's a lot of money. What would you do if you win that money, right? You've, you've probably played that game. I, if I could get out of debt and I buy a new house and I buy my my family, all homes, and right, we, we played that game. And what James is saying is often we don't get what we think we want because we'll just spend it on the wrong things. We'll use it for our own pleasure instead of seeking what God may have for us. Uh, Proverbs 16, 2 and 3 says this, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Right, so the, the question we have to begin to wrestle with is, have we committed our stories to God? Have we really got to a point where we say, okay, God, not only do I believe in you, not only do I believe in your love and your forgiveness, but do I actually believe that you care more about my story than I even do? Do I actually believe that if I commit myself to you, then the story that you will write is way better than I could ever come up with on my own? Do we believe that? Uh, Jesus comes, and, and some of his first words, I believe, are some of the most powerful in Mark 1.15. He, he says, the time has come. This opportunity is here. The kingdom of heaven is near, right? Jesus begins to walk the earth, and he brings God's kingdom to our world. It's this idea that you can almost press into it. The kingdom of God is near. And then he says, repent and believe the good news. That This word repent means to think differently about something. Uh, to turn from something. You begin to think differently about life and you make an about face. You make a turn. And then he uses the word believe. 
This isn't just to mean think about something, but it actually means to believe it so much that it changes who you are. It changes your actions because you believe it. So I'm going to think differently. I'm going to think differently about God. I'm going to think differently about my past, about my shame, about the regret that I have, about what I did or has been done to me. I'm going to think differently about those. And then I'm going to believe that God has something different for me, that my life could look different because my life is not over. My life is not over. What if we could believe this, that God actually has more for us than we could ever imagine? It doesn't mean that all life is going to go well for you, that now when you start asking, you're going to get everything you want, but your motives begin to look different. And ultimately what it comes down to, and this is what we're going to look at the next couple of weeks, is it's hard for us to understand or to think about the story we want if we don't understand what we value. If we don't understand what we value, what we find is most important, then it will be hard for us to figure out maybe what God wants for our lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and I know not everyone in here would say they are today, but if you are, then it really isn't simply about what we value, but what is it that is, as, that is, as, is of most value? It's not just what we value, but what is it that's of most value? What would God say is most valuable to our lives. This is why answering the question is so hard. Right? There's no easy answer to what story do you want to write, but, but I promise what you have to begin to wrestle with is what story would God want me to write with my life? What does God want me to do? What, what is the story at the end of my life that I will tell because it began by seeking what God wants for me? This is good news. This is good news, even as we begin to talk about shame and things begin to stir in your life or you begin to wonder what life is going to look like for you moving forward. You are still breathing. The relationships that have been broken, there is still opportunity for there to be reconciliation and restoration. That the person that you need to forgive, there's still time. The, the person you need to ask to forgive you, there is still time. As you begin to think, what, what does God want for me in, in life and with a job and an occupation? What does God want me to do in our community. It's not over. There is still time, no matter how old you are today. There are still opp opportunities because you are still breathing. Uh, Greg's going to come up and, and close us, and as he does that, would you just begin to think through that? Are you willing to believe for yourself that God has a better story for you than you could ever imagine? That he wants to use you in ways that you can't even imagine? that God will begin to heal your story, that, that you can begin to see that you have worth no matter addictions, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been done to you, that you have worth because God loves you deeply. He loves you deeply. Would you stand with me as I pray? God, thank you for today and thank you for the idea, Lord, that, that no matter where we've been in life, that you can still use us. No matter the shame we hold on to, no matter what has been done to us, God, I know there needs to be some healing that takes place. A word a, a parent spoke to us, something that someone did to us, that there's going to need to be some healing in that part of our story as we move forward, God. Would you begin to heal us now? And then, God, would you help us to hold on to hope that as long as we're still breathing, there's opportunity for our stories to look different. God, I pray as we move forward in this series that you would begin to to write a new story for most of us. A story that says our life is not just about us, but it actually is about you and about other people. God, would you speak to us over the next few weeks? Pray in Jesus' name.